0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: Welcome to the show. We'll be joined in just a few moments by performers and artist the artistic director of the Co Festival of Performance after 31 years, this is Co's final season. We want to talk to them and you want to know about what is going on at Co now. First we have a bit of a fish wrap for you today's newspapers tomorrow's fish wrap. Well, today and the headlines across the papers and in media remind me of the mark twain adage that people are always complaining about the weather but nobody ever does anything about it and that seems to be particularly true at the moment given that uh, joe manchin has defeated joe biden's plans to try to come to grips with global warming and europe is baking and we are about to and global temperatures are rising and sea level temperatures are rising and the pollution that is hung in the air over major metropolitan areas is unbreathable and we are destroying the environment and, and, and. All that is not Joe Manchin's fault, but actually today it kind of is. So, uh, the weather
2: is not his fault. No, no. The climate might be his fault. Okay. But the weather might be affected by the overall climate. Probably.
1: Goodness gracious, all these editors <laughs> so and so but <laughs> I grant you, Monty, so much to edit. I, I find what has happened in the United States Congress to be infuriating beyond belief. And I would note you're actually right about the uh, climate. It's not just climate change and global warming that is baking Europe. There is actually a uh, I can't explain, but I, although I did read it this morning. Uh, there is a weather pattern that is bringing warm air up into Europe from Africa, and there is some kind of an inversion of the temperatures and the hot and the heat can't rise and get out of this bubble. But global warming is obviously playing a part because as the news reports point out today, all of this starts with a higher baseline of a temperature. Uh, and There's just one extreme, there's not just, there is one extreme weather event after the other, after the other, after the other, and there are the Republicans saying, well, there may be some kind of climate change, there might be rising temperatures, but there's no proof, says Donald Trump and his ilk, that this is related to human activity. No, there's just a coincidence that the Industrial Age happened and global temperatures began rising as greenhouse gases became trapped in the Earth's atmosphere.
2: I don't know what the Europeans are complaining about. I heard it was only going to be forty degrees Celsius. <laughs> forty <laughs> degrees is it's chilly. You need to bring a coat.
1: Yeah, and in in uh, England today, it is actually not the highest temperature on record. It's going to be, I think, a hundred point nine degrees. And where they had a record two years ago, where it was 101.
2: I think they think it might go over that record today, actually. It was about 77 degrees as the low last night, or for a large portion of the the evening, which was one of the warmest nighttime temperatures on record, um, and and 40 degrees Celsius is actually 104, and there are some meteorologists that are predicting it could go that high today there, it all, which would make it the hottest on record.
1: It all sounds horrifying. There wasn't a subhead, a, a sidebar in the uh, reports this morning saying, and there's no air conditioning, right? because by and large, at least up till now, people don't need air conditioning.
2: It's also, um, there've been over a thousand deaths between the UK, Spain, Portugal. Um, a lot of these countries are ill-prepared for weather that it's this hot. It's like when there's a snowstorm in Georgia and there's a half an inch of snow on the ground, there's a thousand car accidents because nobody's experienced driving in weather like that. So there's a similar situation, much more dire Going on right now.
1: Meanwhile, there are enormous w- forest fires going on in Western Europe. I had never—maybe just my ignorance—but I had, not, well, obviously paid attention, well, I had paid attention to forest fires and large fires in California and in the West uh, in the United States. I had not, had not read or n- did I know much about wildfires, completely out of control, burning uh, acres and acres and miles and miles of forest in Western Europe, that seems to be a bad turn.
2: Yeah, it doesn't sound familiar to me either. It doesn't mean it's not necessarily true, but not something we're hearing an awful lot that about. we had usually. heard
1: previously, yeah. and, here, and here we are. Monty. Yes. Before we take a break, could you... Uh, I don't want to end every fish wrap by being depressing. So Mm -hmm. tell me something enlightening. Tell me something that will lighten the load, something that will make us all feel better.
2: I was excited to see the Mass Live story about a dolphin found in the Connecticut River. Oh, good, you came through, Monty. Yes, you did it. (laughs) I don't know if that's climatologically related at all, too. Like, what's causing dolphins to want to go up the Connecticut River? I don't know. Uh, But, yeah, there were some people uh, fishing at what they call the Thames River down by Norwich, Connecticut. And uh, they took a video of it, and there was a dolphin playing around where they, they were fishing. They reeled their lines in. Mystic Aquarium was trying to send the word out. If you see the dolphin, like, pull in your lines. You don't want to get that dolphin snagged. And it was a couple of small sightings. But um, what I am frequently uh, dipping in the Connecticut River, especially when we're in the midst of a heat wave like this. So it would be thrilling to see something like a dolphin playing around. We see a lot of bald eagles. We thought we saw a stingray in the Connecticut River, but it was actually just trash, a plastic bag that was taking stingray form, which I removed from the river. But a dolphin, verified by these fisher people and uh, on Mass Live.
1: Well, you've inspired me, Monty. Thank you very much. And I want you to know that I have been reading, because I've had grandchildren around the last Uh few days, I think a book titled Monty and the Dolphin would be a great children's book.
2: Well, I'm more of a Patriots guy. (laughs) Okay, we'll leave it there.
3: This is Bill
0: Newman, WHMP.
4: Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.?
2: Is this week's Shop Friday Local Burgers and Fries?
4: Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Full value gift certificates and you save 30%.
2: Local Burgers and Fries on the corner in Northampton on the main Dragon Keen plus Local Burgie Burgers and Barbecue in Williamsburg.
4: Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at WHMP.com.
0: In a couple of hours or less, you can be at the beach. Toes in the sand, bouncing in the waves, which means fresh just off the boat, seafood is only a couple of hours away, or minutes away, at Paul and Elizabeth's restaurant, where the seafood is delivered direct from the fishing boats. Cod, salmon, scallops, no warehousing. It goes from the dock to the kitchen door. Try Paul and Elizabeth's fish and chips with that lighter-than-air tempura batter. Try the scallops, broiled with garlic butter and fresh herbs. There's no beach at Paul and Elizabeth's, but the
2: seafood? State Street Fruit Store. What the heck is a fruit store anyway? Well, State Street opened in Northampton in the 1920s as a fruit store, selling local fruit and other produce from the valley. And even though State Street has grown to be much more, deli, wines, spirits, They are still a fruit store. And right now, State Street and their sister store, Cooper's Corner in Florence, are buried in berries. Strawberries, raspberries, blackberries, blueberries, schnozberries. Okay, they don't have any schnozberries, but they've got every other kind of local berry going. State Street, Fruit Store, and Cooper's Corner have always offered produce, picked by our Connecticut River Valley neighbors as soon as, and as long as, they're available. So come get fruit at a fruit store. Northampton has always been a fruity place. We are what we eat. State Street Fruit Store in Northampton and Cooper's Corner
5: in even fruitier Florence. Imagine working hard for so many years and reaching your retirement only to find out there's an issue with your pension or 401k. Unfortunately, it's a problem too many Americans face. The New England Pension Assistance Project can help you get the benefits you've earned. Funded by the U.S. Administration on Aging, the New England Pension Assistance Project has a proven track record of success in obtaining benefits for its clients. From challenging pension denials and miscalculations to helping with the Division of Retirement Assets in Divorce and tracking down retirement benefits from past employers, the New England Pension Assistance Project has recovered more than $42 million in retirement benefits for its clients by providing them with free legal help. Contact the New England Pension Assistance Project at 888- 425-6067. That's 888-425-6067, or visit them online at pensionhelp.org slash newengland. A public service message from the U.S. Administration on Aging's Pension Counseling and Information Program.
0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
1: We welcome back to our studio Sabrina Hamilton, who is the Artistic di- Director of the Co-Festival of Performance and... Joining us today, Linda Paris Bailey from Knoxville, Tennessee, where she has spent many years leading the Carpetbag Theater, and Eric Bass of Putney, Vermont, who has had the same kind of relationship with the Sandglass Theater and their leadership. Sabrina Hamilton, it is so wonderful to see you. We are so happy you are here. We are thrilled to hear about the performances from the Co. Festival. And I am so sad to learn that after 31 years, well... It will be no longer. This is going to be the final year of the Co Festival. We'll get to the performances. We've got wonderful directors and artistic people here with us today. I know you're going to go out with some and are going out with some amazing performances, but you're leaving. You're kind of folding the tent. Well, so talk, not talk, entirely. Not, 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 oh, good. Not good.
6: entirely. Oh, there's good news here. I okay. am not closing the corporation, the not, oh-so-not-for-profit the <laughs> of Co-Theater Works. <laughs> it's a special category. Um, but what I'm doing is really we're transitioning into more of a helping mode. Um, it's time to... Uh, as the subtitle of our opening show is Make Room for Someone Else. And during the pandemic, we started a whole program when we couldn't do rehearsal re- residencies in the studio. We started to do administrative residencies and capacity-building residencies for organizations, for individuals. So grant writing, uh, budgeting, touring specs, producing... A lot of artists are trained in the art making, but all the other stuff is not what they teach in school generally. And so I, I, it's nice to really help people who otherwise don't have access um, to be able to do the kind of work.
1: Okay. So, for those of our listeners who have somehow missed the last 31 years of the Co Festival, when you go back, tell us a bit about what the history of the Co Festival is, what it has done, how
6: it works, and then we can circle back to
1: this transition.
6: Well, the co-festival is, uh, contrary to a recent uh, newspaper article, it is not a playwright's festival. It's a festival of what is called devised theater. So the pieces are all created by the artists who come to the festival. Their original works, a lot of them are autobiographical, as in with this first piece. Um, But they are always about uh, issues and ideas. Often they take multiple years to make them. And I curate them on a theme each year. And this year our theme is fittingly, I think, stepping up and stepping back. And um, so all the, the the performances are curated by the theme, and then we do post-show discussions um, about the theme with each show as a special lens into it. We've also offered many, many years of six-day intensive workshops, rehearsal residencies where artists develop new work, internship program where the people who are once our interns are now, oh, like, running the Fine Arts Center at UMass, um, doing some some major stuff. So it's... a uh, been a, a long and exciting uh, run doing this, of this original work, uh, small scale but big ideas.
1: The Co Festival has been at Hampshire College for a number of years. Has no, been, we've
6: been at Amherst College for oh, a number of Amherst, years. Oh, right, Amherst, right, right, right. We, we were not allowed to be there again, be, citing COVID. Amherst has, for the three years in a row, said, sorry, we can't host you. Um, so we uh, turned to Hampshire College and we are so grateful to the theater program and summer programs uh, office there who have uh, allowed us to use their spaces. So, But it's much smaller capacity, so some of the shows are selling out. So if people get interested, they should make their reservations soon.
1: Let's hear about the shows. We have with us to, to tell us Linda Paris Bailey from Knoxville, Tennessee, where she spent many years leading the Carpetbag Theater Company, and Eric Bass of Putney, Vermont, where he is in the process of stepping back from sunglass theater and their leadership. So let me start with Linda Paris Bailey. What is this show? Tell us what we're going to see, and tell <laughs> us how it, it is so co festival. It's like the epitome of co festival. It's got puppets, it's got people, it's got music, it's got performers, it's got all sorts of things. Tell us what this play is about, and how, what we're going to see. Well, there
7: you go. It's got puppets and performers <laughs> and music. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's about transition, and it's about legacy. Um, I stepped down from leadership of the Carpetbag Theater uh, two years ago. We went through a, a long transition process, and um, I've wanted to talk about that and to, uh, to share with Eric this whole idea about stepping down and um, what happens and what is our legacy And to do that with puppets, I am uh, a student puppeteer. (laughs) I cannot call myself uh, the kind of puppeteer that uh, Sandglass uh, has, their reputation has created over the years. They are master puppeteers. Um, But it was my pleasure to be able to, to work this idea with Eric and Ines and Kirk and our director, who I've known for many, many years, Kathy Dynabrega.
1: In addition to its theme, is there a narrative arc to this play, to the performance?
7: Well, I think the narrative arc takes you to the brink. Um, there's a Well, lot that's of where I'm living <laughs> these days, so it'll,
1: be, it'll feel kind of familiar that way.
7: Well, you know, and it acknowledges that um, we are all facing uh, brinks, and that is uh, a continuum, really, that, that these transitions that we make over our lifetime are um, unexpected, but they are the process. And when we come to another brink, we uh, used to say you had to step over, or jump over, or step in, or, <laughs> or fly. So we are taking the approach that uh, you fly.
1: That's the optimistic you I try to appreciate, um, but it must have been really hard to give up something you love.
7: I was the executive and artistic director of the Carpetbag Theater for forty five years, and um, it was difficult to give up what I love. But I think that the uh, you know the transition process for us uh, eases some of that, and then you just have to let go. Sounds. Way easier to say than <laughs> to do.
1: Uh, let me turn to Eric Bass, um, who's in the process of stepping back from Sunglass Theater. and its Sandglass. Le- Sandglass, I'm sorry, and its leadership. Um, uh, you are a master puppeteer?
8: It, it's interesting. Puppetry is one of the very few art forms where people feel they need to talk about a master performer. I mean, no one talks about a master actor or a master director or, you know, a master cello player. It's not, it's, um, I've been a puppeteer for, hmm, since pretty much 1970. So I started as a street theater performer. And, um, so I would certainly say I'm an experienced puppeteer. Okay.
1: Okay. An experienced puppeteer. Let's see. Um... It's 1970. Uh, that's 52 years of your experienced.
8: Yeah, and I'm 53 now. So it's really, <laughs> and st- most of my yeah, life.
1: Yes, I got that. That's really amazing. That's just amazing. How did you learn uh, puppeteering? Is
8: that the right word? Puppetry. Sure, sure. Uh, how did how does one learn puppetry? I mean, I, I and, guess. And tell us more about it. Are you talking about big puppets, hand puppets? What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Sandglass does uh, a lot of different forms, but I think what we're known for is um, what's known in Europe as direct manipulation. Uh, we don't hide; we're right, right there with the puppets, which are, are kind of kind of doll-like. Uh, sometimes they're on a table; sometimes they're moving freely in space. Um,
6: and, and you one, have flying trains in this show. We
8: do. We do. You have flying
1: train. Okay, in for a dime, in for a dollar. (laughs) Tell us
2: more about that.
8: (laughs) I mean, anything can be a puppet. A train can be a puppet. Uh, You know, whatever whatever objects you move through space in time are essentially puppets. And... um, uh, a big part of why we use them is that we explore our relationship to these objects. So, so our presence is very much, uh, very much part of that. Um, this piece, Flushing, is uh, is a journey. It's a travelogue. It's a travel log. And
1: Flushing, we should note, is the name of the theater piece itself. Parentheses or subtitle make room for someone
8: else. Okay. Yeah, I mean Flushing is it's of course a pun. It, it refers to, Oh good. I didn't know. I had no idea. What does it refer to? <laughs> it, it refers to a, uh, uh, community in Queens, New York city, uh, which hosted, not the what world's I expected, but okay. <laughs> which re- hosted the world's fair in 68, uh, 64. 64, 64, 64. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's you know, and then any uh, any other um, meanings you'd like to extrapolate about flushing? It's uh, it's all fair game.
6: But you both grew up there.
8: Well, Linda grew up that's there. Right. I grew up not far from yeah. there in yeah. Forest Hills, walking distance. Well, it's all Queens, right?
6: That's right. It's all
8: Queens.
1: It's all Queens. Okay, <laughs> so it's all Queens all the time. Tell and us. And they
6: discovered this much more recently uh they've been traveling in the same theater circles for quite a while and lo after you know many conferences meetings it comes to light that they both grew up within in the same era in a couple of miles apart and hence the birth story of this piece
1: so i'd like to know more about the birth story of this piece how did the two of you put it together uh How do you co-write a piece like this? How does it organically grow? Let me go back to Linda Paris-Bailey.
7: I feel like singing the Zoom song. I mean, (laughs) it was created um, during the pandemic. Zoom has a song? (laughs) <laughs> There's an Aretha song about this? No, no, it's the electric company, oh, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my son's generation. <laughs> this is
8: the United States. We have a song for
7: everything. <laughs>
8: everything. Oh, and Monty heads to the computer. I
1: think <laughs> I know <laughs> what's <laughs> going to happen. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I could
7: change my mind by that. You could,
1: you could. Okay, tell, there it tell, is. tell us more about the piece, if you would, please. Well,
7: you know, we, um, we actually, I think, met through the Network of Ensemble Theaters and um, Annette uh, brought together a lot of uh, ensembles from across the country, and we found uh, many common roots. Um, I found some people from New Paltz, and, uh, you know, we, we just... Basically found our various uh, tribes, and
6: that's where most of the co-festival performers have come from over the years.
7: <laughs> so net was a, a, a good networking opportunity, and, and it brought us all together. Um, and then Eric and I started talking about these, these transitions and um, you know what was happening with our companies) um, my company is well. The Carpetbag Theater, my former company, um, is now fifty-one years old. So, um, oh, it was, was, it was
1: fa- founded the same
7: year that Eric was born. Oh yes, uh, got it. Okay, got <laughs> yeah, it. Yes, yes. And um, you know, we we celebrated our fiftieth anniversary, and um, the company knew that I was leaving, and we talked about exploring this whole idea of succession. Um, and it just sat there you know it just kind of went yeah well we'll talk about it uh huh yeah and then eric uh said you know i'm i'm thinking about these things and i said you know i'm thinking about these things and um lo and behold we determined that we would approach this idea um and try to try to ease the pain um you know and and maybe set or grease some grease the wheels <laughs> <laughs> And maybe set, set some things in place to help people think about it.
1: Okay, well, let's set the table for that for just a second. Okay, uh, I'd like to know from both of you what you learned by going through this process. Because I assume that in some way that putting this on stage for mm-hmm. others to see caused you to necessarily reflect on what you're doing, what you're saying, what the puppets are doing and saying. Yes. I, I would like to know more about uh, who is present, how many people are present on stage, and how that works. But my first question for you first is, what did you learn by doing this that you didn't expect? Let me start with uh, Linda, and then I'll go to Eric.
7: What did I learn that I didn't expect? Um, you know, I think over, over the years, you uh, learn how smart your parents were, um, you know, I think. Oh, I th- an th- <laughs>
1: and my daughter may be listening. <laughs> 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 Please take notes of this part of the
7: show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I think for both of us, they have been our supporters and our advisors, and and they've given us little tips about how to live life. And I think that um, exploring those little tips and um, figuring out what is important for our next generation. I think that that's one of the things that we learn through this process, or I learned through this process. And so
6: the audience actually sees puppet versions of all four parents.
1: And how many people are on stage uh, during... Are we counting the puppets? Uh, sure, why not? They, they They deserve a lot of credit here. <laughs> Seven. Okay. Including the puppets.
7: Good me... number. <laughs> Lucky number. Air- Three of
6: the taller, more three-dimensional <laughs> ones. <laughs> yeah, and
7: actually, um, we we actually have four more of the little puppets. So I guess it would be uh, seven plus four. Six more of the little puppets. Oh whoa.
6: And do we count trains oh as you know? Trains they do. They are
7: animated. They, so it's very two trains. It's a
6: complex question. It's okay. yeah, I, 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 It really is. I didn't realize
7: it was a
1: stumper.
8: It's but the of worms here. Not, not to mention a full size volcano. <laughs> There we go. Give it away, <laughs> Eric. Hey,
1: okay, Eric. Uh, what did what did you uh, learn in addition to? Uh, I, I don't even want to go there. What, what, but I'm, I'm serious about this. Did you learn something you didn't expect by putting this together with Linda?
8: Very much so. I mean, we've been we started this what about five years ago. I mean, we had this major interruption for COVID. We kept working through uh, through that with almost weekly Zoom writing sessions. It's it's been so and where we started is something that we perhaps keep coming back to, but it's not where we stayed in the process. The process had had so much uh, time to morph and gel and. Uh, we took a lot of tangents and then came back i mean we 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 wrote a lot that's not in the show. There's a I don't know thirty percent, forty percent. I mean, we've read several songs that are not that were part of the process, not necessarily important to the product. Did some
1: songs make it to the final version?
8: Oh, yeah, yeah there's quite a lot of music in the show.
1: And are people playing instruments as well to accompany the Uh, vocals? We
8: do. We do. We do. I play guitar. Linda plays ukulele. We're both singing in the show. Um, Almost all the music except for one traditional song, all the rest is original to us. So
1: you both are the writers and the performers?
8: Absolutely. Absolutely, and Kirk Murphy, who's a longtime Sandglass Theater puppeteer, is also in the show with us.
6: And then there's the director, Kathy Danabrega, who has the perfect resume. Because when you are directing two artistic leaders like these folks, you need a referee. <laughs> she has been a small town mayor in Georgia, and it's those mayoral skills that are absolutely coming into play.
1: I, I love Claire Higgins, our former mayor of Northampton. Exactly who's,
6: the the model, yes. Right, who,
1: who was uh, wonderful at doing exactly that. And she said, well, I had great training to be mayor. I ran a daycare center. <laughs> <laughs>
8: well, I, I would say that one of the things I learned, though, is, uh, is I learned quite a bit about my parents that I didn't know from them that I knew after they died. Um, I mean, I... I um, a friend of mine, a writer friend of mine in, in Vermont uh, always says there's, there are new memories and true memories, but there are no new true memories. You know, there are things that, that our parents hint at and hint at and hint at, and we don't, we don't necessarily know what they're actually getting at. And um, I remember when my father died, one of his good friends at his, uh, at his funeral told me things, and, and they were like keys uh, and all of a sudden, I could put all those hints together and say, "That's who my father was." Wow! And um, and I, I think that there's a lot, there are a lot of keys in this show. I mean, there are key metaphors, um, uh, and and I think a lot of what we are dealing with uh, at the brink metaphorically is is that there are some keys that we hand over to the next generation. And there are some keys that we need to unlock where we're going from here. Let me turn back from Eric
1: Bass to Sabrina Hamilton, Artistic Director of the Co-Festival. How do we get tickets? When are the shows?
6: Okay. Well, the shows are this Friday and Saturday at 8 and Sunday at 4 in the Main Stage Theater on the Hampshire College campus this year in Emily Dickinson Hall. And uh, we have post-show discussions after each of the shows. Roberta Uno is hosting the Friday one, And uh, then James Arana is hosting the Saturday one. And one of the guests is going to be Shoshi Bass, who is actually Eric's daughter, who is the person who is stepping up into the leadership of saying so. It's his daughter who is stepping up. She's got class. the keys. She has the keys. And then Andrea Evasion is is hosting our Sunday one. And it, it uh, the way that people get tickets is by visiting the CO website. It's K-O-F-E-S-T dot com. Our box office line is manned in the afternoon, or, or actually staffed in the afternoon, I'm going to say. And that's 413 559 351. Uh, we also have our Story Slam this weekend. Right now that is sold out. We're taking a waiting list as we try to fit in more chairs, and people can email CoFest Box Office, K-O-F-E-S-T, Box Office, all one word, at gmail.com to get on that waiting list. So the p- performances are this weekend? And- Friday and Saturday at 8, Sunday at 4, and the Story Slam is Sunday at 8 with a post. Uh, afterwards, there is a post party to celebrate Co's 31 years. And then? And then next week we have an outdoor show. So we're inside this week and the next week we move outdoors with Clear Crew Creative who are coming to us from uh, eastern Kentucky and New Orleans and they're doing a show called Ezel Ballad of a Landman.
1: And you'll be back next week to tell us you about betcha. that. Terrific. Thank you so very much Sabrina Hamilton, Linda Paris Bailey, Eric Bass. Break away. They see you at the Thanks. theater.
9: For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Massachusetts lawmakers approved a $52.7 billion state budget Monday, more than two weeks into the state's new fiscal year. The unanimous votes in both chambers came after a six-member House and Senate conference committee finished hammering out the details of the final compromise budget plan over the weekend. Budget negotiators increased their original estimate for available tax revenues for the 2023 fiscal year by more than $2.6 billion, based in part on a hefty budget surplus for the current fiscal year. The budget now heads to Governor Charlie Baker for his signature. Developers plan to meet with the Holyoke Planning Board next month to present a revised plan for a Dunkin' Donuts on Mount Tom. Despite an ongoing lawsuit against the board by Selmar Realty and the Log Cabin, where the drive-thru would be located, A state land court judge says all three have agreed to meet to go over a revised project plan that addresses the initial traffic concerns. According to the Gazette, the land court will have jurisdiction over the meeting, which allows the lawsuit to move forward if the parties involved are not satisfied with the results. Mayor Roxanne Wiedegardner has declared a state of water supply conservation in Greenfield, requiring mandatory water use restrictions. The restrictions include odd even-day watering, watering between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. is restricted, No automatic sprinkler systems, no car washing, except in commercial car washes, and filling or topping off pools is banned. There is a $50 fine for the first offense and $100 thereafter.
10: It's all about the heat today, partly to mostly sunny. Chance for an isolated shower this afternoon, a high of 88 to 92. Scattered clouds tonight, low 64 to 70. Sun cloud mix tomorrow, chance for an afternoon thunderstorm, a high of 92 to 96. Low 90s on Thursday and Friday too. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP.
9: This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media.
3: Yo soy Johan Rashebega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. Los republicanos y demócratas del Senado están cada vez más cerca de llegar a un acuerdo sobre un proyecto de ley de inmigración que, según los agricultores, si se aprueba, podría ayudar a reducir los precios de los alimentos, en parte al ayudarlos a contratar más trabajadores. Esta medida, conocida como Ley de Modernización de la Fuerza Laboral Agrícola, se enfoca principalmente en actualizar la Fuerza Laboral de Producción de Alimentos, un sistema que algunos llaman obsoletos y que ha llevado a precios más altos de los alimentos, especialmente Lácteos, carnes y verduras. Haría esto al permitir que más agricultores contraten trabajadores temporales durante todo el año. Actualmente los empleadores de todo el año no pueden usar ese programa de visa de trabajador, conocido como el Programa Agrícola Temporal H2A, utilizado por los empleadores de temporada. El mayor enemigo de esta disposición es la Federación Estadounidense de Oficinas Agrícolas, el Farm Bureau. A menudo conocido por sus posturas más conservadoras, ha sido durante muchos Tiempo el gigante del cabildeo agrícola en Washington. En otras informaciones, los trabajos de pavimentación y asfaltado en el área del sur de Holyoke continúan este martes, según informó el lunes un comunicado del alcalde Joshua García. Este martes la pavimentación se llevará a cabo en Adam Street, desde South Canal hasta South Summer. En Sargent Street, desde South Canal hasta Main Street, las calles Clemente, Southeast y South Bridge, desde Adam hasta Sargent Street y South Summer Street, desde Adams hasta Cabot Street. El trabajo comienza a las 6.30 de la mañana y continuará durante todo el día. Estas calles estarán cerradas al tránsito vehicular y se prohibirá el estacionamiento en la calle. Los vehículos los dejados en la calle serán remolcados. Yo soy Johan Rashi Vega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP.
9: This News Minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media.
0: This is Bill Newman,
2: WHMP.
1: And this is our monthly comedy quiz, where I have a heads up that Monty Belmonte is a ringer for this month's Uh-oh. topic. Uh oh! <laughs> I don't yeah, even know I, what
2: the topic is. Yeah, I know.
1: I know. We've kept it from you, Monty. <laughs> this is. I understand. This is about to be your day. Let me turn the microphone over to Maddie Benjamin.
11: Thank you, Bill. We'll see if we can stand a chance. Uh, but good morning. I am Maddie Benjamin, improv performer at the Happier Valley Comedy Theater and monthly nerd in residence. And this is the Happier Valley Comedy Comedy Quiz Show. Every month on the comedy quiz, we ask a local expert, a term we'll interpret loosely, to test the wits of our quiz panelists. This week, I'm competing with Happier Valley Comedy founder and head of happiness, Pam Victor, and WHMP's own, Monty Belmonte. And finally, we are joined by our guest quizmaster, Kate Jobson. Kate is an improv actor with Happier Valley Comedy. She currently lives in Holyoke with her fiance, dog, two cats, a bearded dragon, and as of yesterday, a new family of rabbits in her backyard.
3: How are you, Kate?
11: <laughs>
12: I'm great. Happy to be here.
11: Wonderful. So welcome. And today, uh, Kate has prepared a quiz for our panel on football, soccer. The Why would I know anything about that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> if it were about American football, I wouldn't even know anything about it unless it was the Patriots.
13: <laughs> Pretty oh. sure everybody knows more about it than I do.
11: <laughs> just, I just have a feeling that uh, Pam and I might not be very good at this. That's that's the one with well, the hoops. Well, let's fi- let's, that's fine. Yeah. That's a great start. Let's find let's find out.
12: All right, Kate, whenever you are ready. All right, let's start with this question. The supporters of the United States soccer teams are called A, the American Eagles, B, the American Faithfuls, C, the American Outlaws, or D, the American Hooligans. <laughs> uh...
2: I'm going to go, this is Monty, I'm going to go with Eagles because the other ones are somewhat troublesome.
13: Well, but it is America. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go with C,
11: outlaws, uh, because uh, soccer fans are uh, basically outlawed by American football fans.
12: (laughs) And I'll go with hooligans because that's that's a great
2: word. It would be fun. (laughs)
12: Point to Maddie, we are the American outlaws. Oh, man. Really? Whoa. Wow. It's on brand. <laughs> okay.
11: Kate says we, so she considers
12: herself an outlaw.
1: <laughs> and the point is awarded. Congratulations.
12: I am an official member of our closest chapter, A.O. Western Mass.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
12: <laughs> All right. Which country hosted and won the first World Cup in 1930? Was it Uruguay Argentina, England, or Italy?
2: Mati is going to go Italy because Mati is of Italian descent.
13: I am going to say Uruguay. This is Pam.
2: Just, uh, just randomly? I mean, just, it yeah. sounds right. <laughs> 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 okay.
13: We had an exchange student from Uruguay there when I was little, right. and I feel connected. <laughs> uh, Cape,
11: what there was it is. A? That's
12: what it is. Uh, Uruguay, Argentina, okay. England, or Italy? Uh,
11: I'm going to go with B, Argentina, because it's the other South American country that was an option, and Pam chose Uruguay.
12: (laughs) (laughs) Point for Pam, it was Uruguay. Whoa, nice. Thank
13: you, Beatrix, (laughs) (laughs) our exchange student, in (laughs) 1974. See how what, I'm not winning?
1: Oh. <laughs> so far, Monty is in last place. Okay, Ooh. let's let's go for another question.
12: In what year did the United States first play in the World Cup tournament? As we just said, the first World Cup was in 1930. And when did the United States first play? 1930, 1954, 1970, or 1982? Damn, I'm
13: going to say 1982, but Americans started noticing around
2: 2004. <laughs> <laughs> sort of started noticing. I'll hedge my bets and go 70.
11: Uh, I will go with 1954
12: because it feels right. <laughs> <laughs> It was actually 1930. We've been there oh. since the beginning. Oh, Fair You not. tricked us. <laughs> totally. Yeah, The first one was actually the only one without a qualifier, and many of the uh, European teams could not make it due to depression, worry about losing their jobs. Oh. And so. that's still the case. <laughs> we might have
13: snuck in there. <laughs> and Americans are very depressed and worried about losing jobs to this day.
12: <laughs> Comedy quiz show. (laughs) (laughs) Truth and comedy? Uh, Kate, make us laugh. (laughs) All right. Uh, What percentage of women's World Cup tournaments has the United States won? 10%, 25%, 37.5%, or 50%?
2: Monty's going with 37.5 because it's so specific. Yeah,
12: no, I needed to go with
13: that number, too, because, of course. But wait, it's Kate. She could be tricking us. I'm going to go with B.
1: For outlaws. That's not a a
3: number.
13: B is a letter. Hooligans. Uruguay.
1: 1930.
13: Uh,
11: I am going to go, Maddie, I'm going to go with 50% because I want it to be something that ridiculous.
12: Kate? And the answer- it is something that ridiculous. Whoa! <laughs> wow. Like, I knew they were cool, but... <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> it's been played eight times since 1991, and the U.S. has won four of those tournaments. Wow. wow. Solid
2: 50%. Not even a fraction in there. Wow!
1: I, I thought that was a good guess. Three three of eight. Something like that. You know,
12: yeah, right? well, That's amazing.
1: Okay. Let's have one more question before our
12: break. All right. Um... How many soccer stadiums of over 10,000 seats are there in London's 671 square miles? Six, nine, 17, or 20?
13: Oh, This is Pam. I'm going to go with 17 because I watched Ted Lasso. I also watched Ted Lasso. <laughs> That's the only thing I know about soccer,
2: really. <laughs> I'm going to go with 20. Is that what you said? <laughs> What? It is. It is. Okay. What was the other one then? 17? six
1: I, seven. I think I said 17. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I think Pam said 17. Are you trying to
2: repeal that? Oh, yeah.
13: No, no. I say 17.
2: Okay. Is 21 of them?
13: It is.
11: I'll go with 20. <laughs> and I'll go with nine mm-hmm. to hedge all of our
12: bets. <laughs> all right.
11: I hope someone got it right.
12: <laughs> Point to the Ted Lasso fan. <laughs> 17 stadiums. Yeah. Wow. Over 10,000 seats in London. Yes. Wow. Cause well, soccer is life. Wow, we are we're, we're gonna, we're gonna take a we're,
1: we're gonna take a quick break here and we're gonna su- life. suspend life for just a second. Maddie Benjamin and Pam Victor are way in front. And what? Monty, who was predicted they were betting on him,
2: has yet to score a point. They call it nil in football, I believe.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no it is. We'll be right back.
0: This is Bill
10: Newman, WHM. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it.
6: So this is Massachusetts way of saying, we think it's an important program. We think it's important enough to continue for students and their families. And we're going to put the money up front to make sure it continues so that if the federal government does not renew it, Massachusetts will still have universal school meals.
10: 1015, 1400 and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP.
0: Martha Graham, Mummenschanz, Blind Boys, Cherish the Ladies, Peking Acrobats, Ukraine Philharmonic, Nikki and Stomp all on their way to the UMass Fine Arts Center. Mummenschanz in their 50th year, Cherish the Ladies, A Celtic Christmas. The Martha Graham Dance Company with the lost Graham masterwork Canticle for Innocent Comedians. Snarky Puppy unleashes their ferocious improvisation. Nikki shines a ray of pop sunshine. And Gina Chavez blends the sound of the Americas with tension and grace. Dance, classical, jazz, theater, plus performances you just can't categorize. Stomp arrives for three performances. Head-turning trumpeter Sean Jones leads his quartet on stage, plus visits the UMass High School Jazz Festival. Plan now for a season of uplifting arts performances. Go to the UMass Fine Arts Center website for the full calendar and tickets.
4: Hi, I'm Kate Kelly, public health nurse with the City of Northampton. The Northampton Health Department is holding vaccination clinics in Northampton and other locations in the region. Outdoor walk-in availability has reopened at the Northampton High School. Dates, locations, and appointments for all clinic sites can be found at the City of Northampton website. Go to www.northamptonma.gov and click on Vaccine Clinics. The clinics continue to offer Pfizer, pediatric Pfizer, and Moderna vaccines, and in special situations, Johnson and Johnson. Clinics will also offer boosters to anyone ages 5 and up. The COVID vaccine is free for anyone from any community. Please bring your vaccine card and insurance card. If you do not have health insurance, you can still have a vaccine. Public health nurses are available at every clinic for your questions or concerns. Booster shots are one more layer of protection against COVID-19 and they prevent a huge number of people from needing to go to the hospital. We want to protect our most vulnerable or simply unlucky neighbors from getting the virus. We can't afford to let our guard down.
3: Northampton
7: Neighbors is free of charge and open to all with a range of social and volunteer opportunities, as well as services and support for members 55 and older in the city of Northampton. Need help? Want to help? Join us as a member, a volunteer, or donor. Northampton Neighbors is about more than aging in place. We're about engaging in place, this place. Find us online at northamptonneighbors.org or call us at 413-341-0160.
0: This is Bill Newman. WHMP.
9: We continue
1: our comedy quiz. Let me turn the microphone back over to Maddie Benjamin.
11: Thank you so much, Bill. And we are here with our guest quizmaster, Kate Jabson, who is giving us a quiz on soccer this morning. Uh, qu- Kate, are you ready with your uh, next round of questions? Oh, absolutely. Cool, cool. We are too, right?
4: Yeah, let's hear
11: him.
13: I got my my puck. <laughs> I, I've
11: been informed during the break that I uh, was making rude assumptions in guessing that Monty would be good at a soccer quiz, but I think he just gives off good at uh, knowing stuff about soccer vibes, whether that's <laughs> true or not.
12: <laughs> All right, Kate, whenever you're ready. All right, I believe this is the open response question portion. Yes. yes, please. All right. So, in soccer, what does the hand of god refer to?
13: Pam, it refers to when it, somebody hits it off their head and it goes right in the goal. Is that what it's called?
12: <laughs> <laughs> the
13: big net. Where yeah. it it goes, people in, goes into that big
1: that big net thing. The, <laughs> the thing
12: that
13: seems to be the the object of the, uh, the of object this. of the <laughs> entire endeavor. Yeah. Yes, correct
11: uh this is maddie i will say when uh a, a goalie pulls the ball out of the air with one hand because as far as i know no one else gets to use their
1: hands yeah yeah is that right is, okay seems cool. right. <laughs> seems right okay we're gonna
11: put all our knowledge together here and see if we can
2: <laughs> fill up a thimble <laughs> is it messi's hand because he's like god to so many different uh fans of soccer
12: Oh, that's that's close. That was that's a good guess. But it refers to Diego Maradona. Maradona. uh, Dang it. Yep. Who, during a 1986 uh, World Cup match, actually scored by basically punching the ball into the goal. Uh, But the referees, uh, they didn't have replay at the time. Uh, didn't get a good look at it. And so it counted. And they ended up beating England and going on to win the World Cup because of a handball goal. Oh, wow. Which is not a legal goal. It is absolutely not, but it counted. <laughs>
1: Wow! Whoa! Hard
12: to tell. Hard to tell
13: a hand from a foot sometimes. I guess. <laughs>
12: <laughs>
11: Pam also not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kate. What's next, what,
12: your next question? What does a truncated icosahedron refer to?
13: oh i know (laughs) pam pam uh
12: that is the shape of
13: the the soccer like the little like they sew together little pieces of fabric material (laughs) for the soccer ball and it's in different shapes and that's the name of the shape
2: i believe it's a venereal disease spread among english (laughs) soccer hooligans (laughs)
13: Uh, I believe that it's uh,
11: a, a dome constructed to keep the rain out of English soccer stadiums, or they'd never get to play. Oh, nice!
13: But sh- Point but short. To Pam. Oh, what? <gasps> no. Point to Pam. Nice. It is Pam got that most... right. She did. Seriously?
7: She did. <laughs> wow. I may be a
13: mathematical genius. <laughs>
11: I would just like to say, as uh, this is an audio medium, uh, everyone's <laughs> eyes got so large as soon as Kate <laughs> finished that question. <laughs> All right, Kate. Uh, what is our next question?
12: All right. Uh, so, the truncated icosahedron is made up of two different shapes. What are they? This is the traditional oh. like black and white soccer ball. Uh, it's actually called the Telstar. It was introduced in the 1970 World Cup. What two shapes make up the truncated icosahedron.
13: Pam, I'm going to say trapezoid. Oh, two different shapes. Trapezoid mm-hmm. and... Um, I thought two trapezoids. <laughs> a trapezoid and a... And, a, and, a,
2: uh, and another trapezoid. And, <laughs> another <laughs> <three>. <laughs> and a, du- a double trapezoid. And a short,
13: shorter trapezoid. <laughs> <laughs> a truncated trapezoid. <laughs> uh, Maddie, I think it's uh, uh, like hexagons and pentagons. Mmm, it's like a Dungeons and Dragons. But, I'm gonna go
2: a dodecahedron and a Fasolati dodecahedron.
12: <laughs> <laughs> Point oh. to Maddie.
2: Really? 12. Oh, yeah.
1: 12
12: pentagons it. and 20 hexagons. Nice. Wow. What? Pentagon cool. and hexagon.
1: Okay, we're in a tie. Do we have time for one last question? I,
12: I think go we feet. do, Kate. What is our final question today? Okay. It's 2026, and you want to watch a World Cup game in person. What's the closest place you can travel to to see a match in 2026?
13: What's the closest place you can... Why don't you just go to
12: the place? (laughs) Uh, In person. No, you're going to the match in person. Okay. What's the closest place you can go watch a World Cup game in 2026? Pam says Toronto, Canada.
11: Uh,
13: Maddie says
11: um, Boston, Massachusetts. I'll go New York City.
12: Kate? Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. Hey! <laughs> yeah.
1: Who got that? Maddie, Maddie, Maddie. Maddie. She oh wins. my goodness, Maddie, 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 you won! But I, Pam, you were right there. It was so so close. And Monty, I got zero points. <laughs> What's that word? <laughs> Zilch. Oh, nil. Nil. N- <laughs>
11: Well, thank you so much for playing along. And thank you, Kate, for preparing uh, such a fun quiz this morning. Uh, just a couple of fun things happening over at Happier Valley Comedy. We would love to see you on Friday, August 5th for our... Uh, l- rescheduled new year's eve party it will be our (laughs) annual fundraiser tickets are available online uh it should be a night of laughs and drinks uh and supporting uh this wonderful not profit not for profit theater uh so we hope to see you there anything you want them to know
13: about it pam happiervalley.com is where you can get all that information thank you so much for your support happier new year thanks so much everybody We'll see you next month.
11: It's
2: the new fiscal year. (laughs) (laughs) Happy New Year.
0: This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
10: Western Mass Business Show with local dynamo Tara Brewster Saturdays at 11 and Sundays at 2 only on WHMP.
2: Brought to you by Greenfield Savings Bank with offices all throughout Hampshire and Franklin counties. GreenfieldSavings.com. The
10: Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMB.
4: WHMP is looking for organizations that regularly distribute information about employment opportunities to job applicants or have job applicants to refer. If your organization would like to receive notification of job vacancies at our station, please notify us at Careers WHMP Radio, 15 Hampton Avenue, Northampton, Massachusetts, 01060, phone number 413-586-7400, or email jobs at whmp.com. The only live and local talk in the Valley and for
10: the Valley. WHMP Northampton WHMQ Greenfield a Northampton radio group station
9: it's 10